my God. Bourbon hitting, Mama feel good. All of it is so good. (laughs) Well, welcome to the Always Never Right podcast, a podcast for Gen Xers who are getting to middle age and wondering how the fuck that happened. I'm Jill Farrell. And I'm Tina Biggs, and tonight we are taking a spooky turn in honor of Halloween. That was my, that was bad and evil laugh. That was pathetic. I'm very bad at evil. Anyway, we're even. Um, <laughs> You're not even a little evil. Not even, I try, though. I try really hard. Oh, well, I would think that the bar exam would have given me some semblance of evil, but no, no it fucked me over. You suck at it. I suck at it. Oh, well. Anyway, we're, we have even got a special surprise interview partway through this episode, but we'll get to that in a bit. In honor of the creepy season with Halloween coming midweek, um, tonight it is ghost story night. Yeah. So we each picked out some creepy tales for you, some regional and some personal. But before we get into that, of course, we have to discuss our spooktacular drink, Jillian. So tonight we're drinking the creepiest bourbon-based drink I could find because if I'm looking for a drink, of course it's going to be bourbon-based. Duh. The winner, the Hellfire. I found this on a website someplace, and I will link to that on our own website. Um, this particular website, this particular drink is bourbon, lemon juice. They called for grilled peach sherbet, but like, don't know if you have time to make that. Grilling the peach, making the sherbet. Um, I used a peach popsicle. (laughs) (laughs) I totally cheated. And a little bit of peach syrup. Um, But it was still delicious. It has a little bit of cinnamon on top, um, some mint leaves for garnish. Anytime you can put bourbon and peach together, you're going to win because bourbon and peach. Plus just bourbon. Duh. Yeah, and I, I got to admit, we went shopping in two different stores today. I could not find a cheat for a peach sherbet. So I ended up actually getting some frozen peach um, slices and frying them in a pan because the thing did go grill it. I'm like, I'm not going to grill in 50-degree weather. So I fried it because I figured it's going to caramelize either way. Why and wouldn't you grill in 50-degree weather? Because I'm a punk ass bitch and 50 degrees is too cold for me now. I'm not going to stand outside in that shit. But you're standing by fire. I know, but I'm standing by a a contained fire in a propane heated grill base. Um, Granted, I would have gotten the advantage of the cedar chips because I did stop one step short of adding liquid smoke to the peaches to get that smoky flavor. I'm glad you did because that would have been nasty. Um, That was my fear. So that was the only thing that saved me from myself. Anyway, so I figured, well, it's going to caramelize on a grill. It's going to caramelize in a frying pan. So sure. I did that. And then and did the, you make peach sherbet out of it? I pureed the living shit out of it with a bunch of confectioner sugar. Not because um, I chose that, but because it was the first sugar I found in the cabinet because my husband actually <laughs> does cook. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> so I pureed the living hell out of it and then shoved it in the freezer for a few hours. And it seemed to work pretty well. I mean, you can see in my drink here on the camera, there's actually little black flecks. That's the caramelized sugar from the peaches. I don't have black flecks in mine because mine's just peach bullshit. <laughs> but it's tasty. And I admit, um, Rexy came over earlier. And so in order to, like, taste test this cocktail... We had one starting at like three and it's seven now. So I've been drinking yeah. since 
three. <laughs> Which is why Jillian said I'll be leading tonight's parade. Of course, yes. I've had I've had almost an entire one. Three sheets to the wind. I'm saying I'm like one and a half sheets to the wind. <laughs> that's, so I'm already coming in at a deficit. That's 0.75 more to the wind than I am. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah. And anyway, with all the things that are happening, it, you know, it's worth it. But overall, I like the cocktail because bourbon and peach. Now, I did put the sprinkled cinnamon and tried to light it on fire, and I couldn't get it to light on fire. So then I tried a cinnamon stick and tried to light it on fire also would not light on fire. So probably on our website, we're going to steal the picture from the other website and use that because it looked really cool. And it was on fire. And that's the whole, literally the whole reason we picked it is because it was on fire. And I was like, I want to drink something on fire, but it, it didn't get on fire for me. And I didn't actually like the cinnamon in it. It made it gritty. I, you know, I, I was pissed about the fire thing because I researched the fucking fire because that's what I do. And I'm like, okay, well, cinnamon, it should burn because it's kind of a barky type thing. So that should work. Um, the, I chose, but it's also wet. Well, it's wet once you get it in there. Yeah. But alcohol, do you let it on fire before you put it in and then put it in and like you light it on fire as you're putting it? I don't understand. I put it on top and I even used the cinnamon sugar I used for my son's cinnamon toast because I was like, sugar helps fire. Have you ever, like, you suck at cooking. Have you ever set anything on fire in your kitchen? Oh, what the fuck do you think? Of course have I have. Really? Oh, several times. Do you I, watch Bruce Cooks in America? I should. I should be on the show nominating. You should because they set stuff on fire all the time. And I've literally never set anything on fire. And it, even when I was learning to cook stuff, I never set anything on fire. Like nothing, even paper towels haven't caught on fire in my kitchen. Like, okay. how do you literally put something in a, in a pan and the pan catches on fire? How does that happen? Okay, bitch, please. I don't even know. But you remember when we worked at that one bookseller? Yeah. So you remember that little apartment I lived in at the time? Uh huh. Uh -huh. I set off the fire alarm at midnight once because I came home from work and was like, I'm going to make myself some fennel chicken in this book, this cookbook I bought from our bookseller. And I burned it and it set off the fire alarms. But set off fire alarms can just be smoke. I'm talking flames in a pan. The chicken was flaming, Flame. babe. Flaming? The chicken, the chicken was flaming. I, I smothered it because I actually know how to put out fires. I got to admit, I don't know <laughs> how to save my own. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Of course you do. <laughs> of course I do. I don't know how to save my own child because from choking death on a petty. Second runner up. That's first right. Runner up. Second runner up. You were right oh. the first time. Because I wasn't that great. But go figure, it would be the interview portion I would lose. Oh, I have to socialize? Okay, group of three judges. Let me tell you the most fucked up shit I know. Anyway, where was I going with that? So I set shit on fire in the kitchen is what I'm getting at. <laughs> anyway, the point is, um, what's the point? Oh, yes. The point is, <laughs> we could not get this drink to light on fire. And I even fucking researched this drink. How I did researched you research setting cinnamon on fire? Is that like a thing you can Google? I'm going to well, Google it right now. You can Google setting drinks on fire. And technically, anything 80 proof or above should go alight when you hold the flame to it for at least a few seconds. But it actually says set set the cinnamon on fire. Well, I thought they might be dumbasses. 
I don't feel like the cinnamon was going to f- set on fire. No. Well, what I researched was the alcohol content needed to be set on fire, and it is 80 proof minimum. But well, I used them- more than 80 proof. Um, see, I found results that said 80 proof, and my um, my bourbon was 90 proof. So I thought, well, that's Mine good. Mine was 100 proof. <laughs> oh, dude, you rebel. Um, I am but- a rebel. But I thought, okay, well, here's the thing. Even 90 proof, though, I am diluting it with some semblance of lemon juice, but that has sugar in it naturally, so that should have some caramelization effect. And I says you have to pre-soak the cinnamon in 151 rum. Oh, well, damn. That's well, the they research. Well, should have fucking said that in the thing. They should they have, because I, I think I have some, so they really should have. Go you. Go you. Well, I don't have any of that. Well, I've, I've become a total liquor snob, thanks to this podcast, Same. frankly. Right? I know. Same. Same. Anyway, we couldn't get the drink to light on fire. You aren't going to see our fiery pictures if we use a fiery picture. Although I have a really cute picture with a little ceramic I painted when I was in third grade of a little witch holding a bottle. Her picture is sort of cute. It's a little weird. Twee. We might use a little both of our pictures or... We may just opt for the picture that came with the drink that like (laughs) that inspired our drink, but whatever, man, either way, the drink is tasty. I hope you like it. Yes. It's very good. (laughs) After that entire long twist around the drink, good try recipe on our website. Yummy drink. Try it. Recipe on the website. Always never write.com. And now let's talk about ghosts. Let's do. So do you want me to start out the show? Actually, I think I want to start. Oh, so we decided to pick out two ghost stories each. One personal, one regional. Are you going to start with your personal or your regional? I'm going to start with kind of a hybrid. And it's not all, it's not totally a ghost story. So (gasps) when we lived in the Midwest, we lived in a, in a neighborhood that was older, And literally all the homes in our neighborhood were haunted. The people across the street, they were like, oh, our ghost name is Seal. And the people who live next to us, their ghost, they they didn't know the name of their ghost, but they knew they had a ghost. We had a ghost. We would see her from time to time. And we basically had to have a conversation with her when we first moved in and say, because she kept calling Millie's name. And we would have to say to her, okay, so here's the deal. We understand that you like Millie and that's okay. And you can be with us as long as you want to. I literally had to go in and have this conversation in her. I suppose it's not a conversation because it wasn't like two way. (laughs) Went and sat in Millie's room one day when Millie was at school. And I said, all right, ghost, you can be with us. You can be part of our family. We would love to have you here, but you have to stop calling her name at night. You have to stop um, waking her up. She has to sleep. She has to have a good night's sleep and you can participate in our family. uh, You know, the stuff that we do, that's fine, but you can't scare her. You can't scare anybody. And if you do, we'll have to ask you to go away. Hmm. And it stopped. But there were a couple times when Millie was at her dad's house, when I would hear mommy, mommy. Ooh, creepy. Coming from Millie's room, coming from Millie's room. And there was a couple times Like Millie has always been very sensitive. She's going to come on in a little bit and tell us about one of her most um, special ghost 
adventures. <laughs> but <laughs> she's always been sensitive. Like even when she was very, very tiny, I would and and I was married to my first husband. She would be sitting in her high chair and I'd be trying to feed her. And she would literally be looking up at the ceiling, laughing her ass off. And I would have to turn around and look at the ceiling and say, hey, I need you to stop because I have to feed her. She needs to eat. And until I would do that, she would be just looking up at the ceiling laughing. And I was going to ask you about that. That was a that was a different house in a different neighborhood, although a close by neighborhood, but a different neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I recall correctly, you even had a name for that one, didn't you? That one was named Bob. Bob. And one time when Millie got just a little bit older and could talk, we lived in that house until she was almost four. She was about three and a half. And she told me one time that Bob was there. And I Mm -hmm. asked around, I asked our neighbors and the neighbors who lived right next door to us, we were pretty good friends with, and they had lived there for a very long time. And they said something about how when that house, not when it was being built, but it was being, I wouldn't say renovated or something like that, because it was a pretty old house. It was like built in the 60s. But in between our family and the family before us, like the family before us had done some work to the house, like had it re-roofed and things like that. Um, there was a guy there who had actually fallen off the roof. And mm. his name was Bob. And he didn't die there, but he died after that. And he had white hair and was sort of a nice old guy with pink cheeks. And Millie would say to me that Bob had white hair and had pink cheeks. Oh, wow. He would joke with her, and he was very fun and very nice. So I I have a feeling that for some reason he just stuck around. I mean, he had had some problems with his wife and things like that. So, like, he knew our next-door neighbors, and... I wouldn't like go as far to say as they were friends, but they had known each other outside of this job. Like they helped him get this job and his life outside of that hadn't been great, but his, his wife had passed and that sort of thing. So he was kind of attached to them and kind of attached to really happy to have this work. And so when he fell off the roof and hurt himself, that was probably like kind of the beginning of the end for him. And that's what caused his ultimate demise. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's why he kind of stuck around the house because he was near them and he was near us and the family that lived there before us. Now, the family that lived there before us, oddly enough, I had worked for that guy when I worked for the state. I didn't realize that until we actually purchased the house and I started signing the papers and I went, holy shit, I know this guy. And they were moving the wife had died and they were actually, he was actually moving so he could be nearer to his son who was in prison because he killed a bunch of people. He had gone on a murdering spree. <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I know. Right. You know, that's crazy because you, you also used to live in a house with someone I used to work for. Really? The house you lived in when it was just you and Millie. Um, if you remember, uh, I interned in DC and, um, uh, back in the uh-huh. early nineties right? and my intern director was the guy who owned the house before you did. That's right. Yeah. That's Weird right. coincidence. 
Well, and this brings me back to the actual story I wanted to tell. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily a ghost story, but kind of a story of a house that has a presence. That makes sense, yes. So down at the end of our our street, in this haunted neighborhood where literally everybody had a ghost, and we were all just kind of like, yeah, my ghost did this today, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, we all would talk about this, because... It was the kind of neighborhood where everybody knew each other. We would hang out together. We would have, like, we would just go hang out in somebody else's yard and all the kids would play together. And we literally knew all our neighbors. It was a very Cleaver kind of neighborhood. (laughs) At the end of the street, there was a home that had quite a sketch past. And two owners previous, um, the woman who lived there, after their kids had gone to school, gone away, and she was kind of an empty nester, went through a very depressive period. And she tried to kill herself once and didn't succeed. She tried to kill herself a second time in the bathtub. She slit her wrists. And then she kind of walked through the house with her wrists (gasps) bleeding and was transported to the hospital where she died. Mm. So the man who lived there then sold the home. Um, understandably yeah understandably you wouldn't want to live there after that the next people who lived there they lived there for about two years and decided to separate divorce they didn't have any children or anything like that that I know of Um, the woman was still living there she had asked the man to move out he agreed he moved out she you know changed the locks like you would and he still had a garage Um, door opener and one day she was home he came in and opened the garage door and she locked the door so he couldn't get in and he was in the garage and started yelling for her and saying come out I want you here so she called the police and Within a few minutes, the police were there, and he's like, did you call the police? I can't believe you did that. And, you know, there was a standoff, and um, he ended up blowing his brains out in the garage. Oh, my gosh. So, at this point, there had been now a suicide in the house, and, you know, well, two suicides, essentially, in the home. Yeah. The next people who moved into the home, um, I'm going to use their real last name because it's important. Their last name was Clutter. Oh. As in the Clutter family from Kansas. Truman Capote. Truman Capote in cold blood. Yeah, it's that family. It was his uncle. Oh, my gosh. They purchased that home. And you would think that they would be especially sensitive to sort of, I don't know, bad juju in a house. But they were, yeah. they were like, this is a great house. It's not a problem for us. And they lived there for many years. Like, he and his wife lived there. They had a couple of kids and ended up moving on into another home without incident. Um, but I always felt like, holy crap, this house, you know, with all of that wrapped up in it and then adding that kind of clutter mystique to it, I was very, like, holy shit, I had no idea. Like when I found out that that house had all of that to it, I had always had this kind of, when I would walk past the house, I always just sort of felt this sort of darkness around that house. Mm. I wouldn't say that it was, 
there was anything wrong with it because I thought it was a pretty house and it had like a pretty yellow door and I loved it. But there was just something about it that mm. didn't ring nice. Uh, understandable. Um Totally understandable. I'm glad the clutters themselves managed to leave Mm -hmm. that house in good shape because their family had been through enough. Well, and maybe Uh, they broke the curse of the house by them living there and moving on. The next family who lived there um, still lives there. They're doing well, it seems. You know, I can't remember what it was. Years ago, I read a book. I know it was by Dean Koontz. I can't remember if it was Phantoms or another book, but it was about a family who specifically bought houses like that just to move into them. Oh, well, it wasn't about them. They were a side, they were side characters in it, but they would specifically buy houses with that kind of history and move into them to kind of clear the air of the house and make other people feel comfortable buying them again. I think that's I, kind of a cool way to do it. I think so, too. I, I used to want to always buy funeral homes as my house and convert them into homes just to show it's okay. Cause well, for the one thing is, nobody dies in a funeral home. They're probably not even haunted. Exactly, right? So I knew I'd be safe. Like, fuck the rest of y'all, but I know I'm going to be fine at this funeral home, and I'm going to cleanse it for you, even though I'm not cleansing shit because no one ever died there. Well, in another link between you and I, mm-hmm. this home is directly across the street from where your brother and sister lived. I know my brother-in-law and my sister, which did I ever tell you that's where I had the creepiest episode of sleep paralysis I've ever had in my entire life. You did tell me, but why don't you tell our listeners? I will tell our listeners. This wasn't the story I planned to tell, but I'm going to tell. Might um, as well. Because well, it was in the neighborhood. It was a freaky ass neighborhood. And there was, if it you was remember. It was a beautiful neighborhood, actually. It was one of the best places I've ever lived, ever. Oh, it was beautiful. And I don't think I ever told you this. I used to walk their dogs periodically. They had these weird-ass dogs. They were like half Great Dane, half um, Chow. They were Uh freaky-ass dogs. And I used to walk them periodically. They'd never go that way. They'd only go go east. They would never go south um, to the road that you eventually lived on, which I think is kind of creepy. Because that would have walked them right past the clutter house. Sure. I never thought about that before. The Flutters ah. probably didn't live there at the time. It was the murder people. Oh, true. Or the suicide mur- people. True. Oh, my gosh. Which, by the way, look for your local suicide hotline because there's my plug for the week. Anyway. Yeah. Um, if you need help, get help, please. Yes, please. There's no shame in that. There's some, like, strength in getting help. Um, getting back from the weird-ass hybrid dogs to um, the weird-ass sleep paralysis episode. I, if you remember back to episode six, I was, um, it was, I moved in with my sister after that whole, um, kidnapping, robbery, assault thing. Was that episode six? Cause I feel like it was more recent than that. I think that's episode six. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, whatever episode, whatever. We can self-correct later. It was still it, shitty. It was, it no was a shitty, it was a shitty moment in my life. Um, but I was, I was living with my sister and brother-in-law who are like this, just very sweet people. Um, and I was home in the afternoon one day after classes because I was just exhausted because I was depressed. I didn't realize that at the time. But hello. What? Why depression were you depressed? I don't know. Who would have thought like you had anything going on? I know. And I've had episodes of sleep paralysis my entire fucking life. But this one was different because I was laying there and I one of the episodes hit 
And I always knew that if I could repeat the same phrase, in my head it was the Lord's Prayer, if I could repeat it over and over until I actually said it out loud, I knew I'd pull myself out of it. So I was working on I was working on that. I was working on the Lord's Prayer. And um, the for the first time, something intruded on my sleep paralysis. And at the time, I had been in like a three-year relationship with the same person, like my safety guy. Was this airport dude? This is airport dude. <laughs> so, I know. So um, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, this voice says, I know you're alone. And I'm like, I'm not alone. My brother-in-law is coming home any minute in my head. I'm saying this. And it goes, I know you're lying. I know your schedule. I see everything you do. And I'm like, uh, so I'm like freaking out a little bit. And um, I'm like, okay, well, I'm still in the process of waking myself out, waking myself up because I know how to do this. And it goes, yeah, well, and it, it puts this, it puts the words in my head rather than saying them. It says he's going to die in. And then it spells out the word November and blood red letters in front of my face. And I knew without whatever it was saying it, that it meant that my boyfriend at the time, his dad was going to die that November. And I was like, uh, what? And and then I was able to snap myself out of it and wake up almost from the shock more than from trying to say anything. Well, guess what? Airport dude's dad died that November. Well, that's fucked up. It was really fucked up and it freaks me out to this day. It was the worst episode of sleep paralysis I ever had. And I know sleep paralysis is this whole, you know, there's scientific and psychological things behind it. But this was, it doesn't mean something different. You're still in that mid zone where shit can happen. Anyway, so that's my sleep paralysis thing. So that's my weird ass, freaky as shit sleep paralysis episode. That's crazy. Yes. So given the kind of weird ass researchy bitch I am. So I have to say it's now time for our special guest. Yay. Are you excited? Can you wait to talk? Yes, I'm so excited. Let's Let's welcome them. I want to welcome Jerry and Tracy. Jerry and Tracy Polly from Hillbilly Horror Stories, who are fabulous and I love them so much. And I've met them in person. Uh, Because I have not met them in person because I don't merit quite as much as you. I'm not as cool as you. Well, St. Louis isn't too far from Atchison, Kansas. So I managed to hook up with them there and it was awesome. And someday I might have to talk about the Sally House, but we are not a paranormal podcast. So that'll be next Halloween. Not really our thing. However, we should put our our users on notice. Our users. However, we should put our listeners on notice that we are getting ready to change up our format just a little bit as a response to listener feedback. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit at the end, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more next week, but we just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Yeah. But anyway, everyone, welcome Jerry and Tracy Polly from Hillbilly Horror Stories. Yay! 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 See the numbers pop up. There they are. Yay, numbers. That makes me happy. Okay. <laughs> In case you haven't noticed, I'm a little bit of a geek. <laughs> yeah, she totally is a geek. And we are just 
launching into the next little segment of our podcast that we were talking to you guys about. So, Gina, why don't you fill everybody in on what the exciting special guests are? All right. So, everyone, our exciting special guest stars for tonight are Jerry and Tracy Polly of Hillbilly Horror Stories. And I'm so excited because they're so, yay! <laughs> they're so sweet. They're so sweet and they're so nice and I've met them in person and they've talked to us for years and um, I got to say during a particularly uh, troubling part of mine and my daughter's Nina's life um, during my year on the road and when Nina was having some issues, they were right there um, just being awesome. So being able to have them on the show and share our Halloween episode with them, given their typical subject matter. I mean, hillbilly horror stories. Hello. Um, I could think of no one I'd want to have as a special guest more for our Halloween episode than Jerry and Tracy. So yes, we're from glad to be part of what we've done tonight is, I mean, we don't, I, I'm sure everyone knows we don't typically do paranormal episodes, but it's Halloween, so we got to. Um, and part of what we've done is we are sharing some of our own personal uh, ghost stories. So I thought, well, that would also be an appropriate topic for our special guest stars. So I don't know if you guys have anything you would like to um, share uh, along those lines, I know, Jerry, you've been on uh, Jim Harold's, um, was it Campfire Stories yeah. or? Yeah. Harold's Campfire. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little confused because I had just put out an album of Irish folk songs and I thought that's why they were having us on, but I guess we can <laughs> Well, well, you know, if you'd like to sing, we can have you on our Irish folk song episode as well. That's going to be at St. Patrick's Day. Um, we all have a little bit of Irish in us. <laughs> yeah. And I think Tracy could dance a pretty mean jig, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I can do it. I can get down with my bad self. There you go. Maybe she can do some rap. Oh, no. Oh, yes. The Tracy raps episodes. Those are awesome. <laughs> No, they're horrid, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> they were fun. They were fun as heck. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So do you guys have anything that you would, uh, any personal ghost stories you guys would like to share? Nope, not really. No. No, just... <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, I'm going to. Yeah, thank gonna you go... all. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me for a second. I have to do some unsubscribing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Tim's gonna get mad if you unsubscribe from Hillbilly Horror House. Oh yeah, okay. you didn't give him enough booze, Gina. Oh, I know. I should have sent booze. That's uh, that's how we grease the skids here. So. so actually, yeah, Tracy doesn't have a ton of stories, but but luckily I've got more than we could probably fill a whole show up with. Um, I grew up in a haunted house. 13 years old when we moved into this house, and. Uh, all kinds of incidents happening through there and, and then small paranormal experiences happening throughout my life. The funny thing is if we go to a place that's supposed to be like a Waverly Hills sanatorium or a Bobby Mackey's or a Sally house in Kansas, nothing seems to happen to me, but you know, just in the crazy little thing, like a work environment uh, or something or just around the house, little things will happen. So it's like almost, when you least suspect it. So I think what I'll do is I'll tell you um, a couple of ways that I think that maybe people that 
meant something to me who passed away that I didn't even have a close relationship at that second, in some cases, reached out. So I thought I would share some of those stories tonight. That would be awesome. So we'll start a little bit with some history uh, that we don't talk about a whole lot of hillbilly horror stories. Of course, we're a paranormal podcast, and I started that show originally with another host, and we started it on August 21st, 2016. And the reason I chose August 21st is because one of my best friends was killed in a car accident uh, seven years ago this year in September. And his birthday and my birthday were one day apart. So his was August 21st. Mine was August 22nd. And I started it on the 21st as like a tribute to him, basically. And, you know, the little story about him, this goes back, like I said, seven years ago. Tracy and I were living in Louisville, Kentucky. We were in our house uh, asleep. Now, to paint the picture, we had a a big basement, and it was partially made into our bedroom and a family room. So that's the way it was split. And a laundry room. That's unimportant to the story, but I felt like you should. (laughs) I don't don't like to hold anything back. Well, that's good. I'm all about the completists. So So we're laying in bed. Now, the next morning, we were having to get up early. We were going to Nashville. It's a Friday night. We were leaving Saturday morning. About 1.30 in the morning, we have, and keep in mind, we're the only ones in the house. About 1.30 in the morning, we have a surround sound that's attached to the TV in that little family room just starts blaring. So it had a CD in it, or a DVD, I should say. And you know how if you just turn it on, it'll start playing whatever it's at the menu at the beginning. Well, that's what happened. This thing comes on, and it is blaring to where we both just jump out of bed. I I go in there, and I can't get it to turn off. So I end up unplugging it. Now, from that point on, just for future reference, that um, surround sound unit never worked again. So we would plug it back in, and it would power on, and that's it. Hmm. So no biggie. You know, it happened. And that's, you know, it's just a malfunction or something. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the clock. It's about 1.30 in the morning. Keep in mind, we got to get up early, so we're just going back to bed as quick as we can. We're in Nashville. We enjoy. Had a fun Saturday, and now it's Sunday, and we're at the Opryland Hotel. If you've never been there, it's a really cool place, and they have a little river running through it, and you could take a little boat ride. And we were standing in line for this boat ride, and my phone rings, and I take the phone call. It's my very best friend in the world, a guy named Ron Tuttle, and he proceeds to tell me that Kevin, uh, who was the friend that that I lost was killed in a car accident during a rainstorm when his car ran off the road. And this was Friday night around 1.30-ish. Wow. So we didn't find out until Sunday, probably 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that this had happened about that exact same time that that surround sound unit came on in our bedroom. And for the last time. And for the last time. That weirds me out. Yeah. And I can tell you that usually, at least the last two years, I don't remember it happening this year, but the last two years, we had televisions that would come on and off here in the house on his birthday. Oh, wow. And one of them, one night it was in my granddaughter's bedroom. <laughs> and, oh. and then one uh, one year it was uh, here in our, our room. But we used to have that problem a lot uh, with the TVs coming on and off to the point where we'd have to unplug them just to keep them from coming on in the middle of the night. So the next door, now, now Kevin and I were close. 
Um, so that one's, you know, it doesn't surprise me that that would happen. But this next one, similar situation. We uh, had a television that just kept coming off or coming on in the middle of the night. We turned it off and then it would come back on. And that's the, the situation where we had to unplug it. And I get a call the next morning that a, a former coworker of mine, the guy that I used to have a really good relationship with, but I probably hadn't seen him in, man, I'm going to guess probably seven, eight years at this point. And I get a call from another uh, old coworker of mine saying, hey, I don't know if you heard this or not, but Dave, uh, got him Dave Snellen, he passed away last night of a heart attack in his sleep. Whoa. So it was the same night that these, the TV was going on. I found out the very next day. So that's wow. two two different instances within that. What was that? Probably a couple of months from yeah, each other. Yeah. That we had incidents with electronics in the house at the same time that friends of mine had passed away. Wow. That's kind of wild. Remarkable. Yeah. So that's kind of you know I've I've had situations like that uh, a lot of my life. Tracy can tell you that. Uh, just through weirdness, I can tell you what kind of a song is getting ready to come on the radio, even though it's not a popular song or not, you know, I couldn't like name a top 40 hit that comes on every 45 minutes on the radio. Like, you know, that song about the ride my horse. You know, <laughs> oh, that wouldn't would be much of a uh, much of a guess. But I remember we were riding um, to her mom and dad's house at one point, And this is out in the middle of nowhere. And there's one of these little country stations that play songs from like the 40s and the 50s and the 60s that she likes to listen to. And I don't know why we're just riding that station's on. And I said, have you ever heard that song, Running Bear Loves Little White Girl? And she just looked at me like I was crazy, like, what the hell is that song? And for some reason, it had popped in my head. It was an old song I remembered from the 60s. I know that and, song. Yeah. Yeah. And but literally that song came on like within five minutes. They mm-hmm. just started playing that song. Okay. <laughs> he does wow. Time. And I'm like, what the heck? How do you know that? How do you do that? We could just be riding around and I'll be like, hey, this song's on somewhere. And I'll just flip around radio stations and I'll find it. And it'd be like I said, it won't be a popular song. It might be an old Beatles. I do a lot with Beatles songs. Ah. So I call it Beatles telepathy. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Oh my That's God. That's church music to me, Beatles songs. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, little, God. Little things like that. I can remember one time, I felt like that my mom had ways to communicate with me, uh, maybe without even realizing it. I remember one time, like I said, we lived in a haunted house, and I could tell you those stories, but those, those are just, you know, the random hearing whispers and stuff like that. Everybody knows those stories. Mm. So I'm trying to stick to some stuff that was a little bit different. But my mom was one of these people that, uh, even going back to her grandmother, grandmother was half Cherokee, and she used to be able to do stuff uh, healing-wise that nobody in the family could really understand. Like, if you got burned, she would, like, just hold the burned area. Like, I remember one time, my hand fell onto, like, a griddle Ah, and sat there for a second. And right in the, um, right on the bottom part of the wrist area, it was a really bad burn. And she would like just turn the wrist over, put it up to her mouth. She would whisper something, but you really couldn't tell what she was whispering. And then, you know, things would just cure her almost not instantly, but like within two days, like that thing was completely gone. There was oh, wow. no, no scar, no sign, nothing. And this was, this was something that had like a blister and everything on it almost immediately. Cause it was set there for a second or so, you know, and I was probably, 
seven or eight years old. So I can't remember a ton of it, but she had that ability. Everybody knew she had that ability. Well, I wish I had her around when I got a really bad sunburn. And Same. Like, yeah, the lady at church said, hold your arm out. So I held my arm out, and she spit on my arm. Oh. Literally, and just rubbed it. Like, um, that is gross. Yeah, not the same. Oh, no, I'll tell you. Take the sting out of it. Yeah. I think I'm so horrified. I don't remember. What, is she supposed to spit on the rest of your body, too, or what? <laughs> she, she just spit the biggest little spit ball of my arm. <laughs> oh, so my gross. gosh. I couldn't uh, say nothing to her. We were in church, so I couldn't really say anything. Uh, but, yeah, it was gross. Yeah, at least she didn't try, like, the jellyfish method. So yeah. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> we always just put vinegar on it. Yeah, apple cider vinegar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always put alcohol on it, like rubbing what? alcohol. That, why would you do that? Because it, cause it cools you down almost instantly. Yeah, for two minutes. Like, wow. No, it works. Trust <laughs> so me, next time, you, next time you get a sunburn, try isopropyl rubbing alcohol. Oh, I wow. promise you, you won't uh, use anything else ever again. Can I burn you and try it? <laughs> it works for sunburn. Oh. I feel sunburn. like I'd rather just not have a sunburn. <laughs> well, we That's my goal. Galveston. We got so burnt in Galveston that one day. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Like this past year when we went oh. up there to Houston and we stopped there for a day and it was pouring down rain when we got there. And then we we're like, oh, man, we're not going to go to the beach. And in hindsight, I wish it would have just kept raining because we were so sunburnt. We were sore for three days. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Yeah, I've had a few sunburns like that. Now, I, I did have a question for you guys, okay. and I listened particularly with interest to your um, episode about the Buffalo Trace Distillery, because Gina and I have talked at length about our favorite bourbons, um, and Buffalo Trace makes quite a few of them, including Blanton's and George T. Stagg and the Van Winkles. Um, so I was just wondering if you have any I'll say alcohol-related <laughs> stories that might be appropriate for this particular season. <laughs> well, I can't tell you any of mine because they are not appropriate. <laughs> Those are the best kind. I don't, season I don't, appropriate. They don't have to be appropriate for our <laughs> podcast. I don't, I don't drink at all, but I will tell you about the time that Tracy got drunk in Phoenix Hill Tavern in Louisville and stayed in a bathroom for about an hour, and I had to keep sending in women to get her out. Oh, no. That was and a then, long time ago. And then he finally came in and just came in the stall with me and held my hair back like a true gentleman would. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we've all had our hair held back a few oh, times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, don't drink, you don't gamble, you don't do anything. Well, that's okay. That's <laughs> kind of boring. That's how John the Brit is. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, true. <laughs> That's all right. He lets me take over what he don't do, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. I think that's a fair trade-off. So yeah. I, I, if you want me to finish my story, I'll finish that one. Yeah, please week. do. I'm so, sorry. I did not. Okay. Mean. No, that's okay, because I was telling you about I, my, my mom, but I was telling you how far that went back with my grandma. So oh, like yeah. my, my mom would have the ability to kind of read palms, but she didn't like read palms like in a true sense. Like she wouldn't look at your palm and say, oh, you're going to live a long life or you're going to make. She would just tell you weird shit. Like she, like she would look, read your palm and say, are you missing a, uh, an envelope? It's cause it's some, you know, little things like that. And I'm like, I had a friend, Cleo, not miss Cleo. This was a guy. <laughs> so 
he he came over to the house one time and he was missing something. I don't remember what it was, but he had searched all over the place. And I said, ask my mom. I said, I'm going to ask your mom. I mean, how the hell is she going to know? She's never been in my house or she don't know what this is. I said, just ask her. So she pulls his palm out, looks at it. And she tells him to go home to his house. She says, in your living room, you've got like a little closet to put coats and stuff. She said, look up on top of the closet at the very top and it's up there. And he oh. went home and sure enough, whatever it was he was looking for was there. And he wow. swears he had already looked there before. Okay, that's but, crazy. <laughs> so, so little things like that. So one time, I, myself and a guy named Tim, we was over at a friend of mine's house. We were probably, I don't know, a mile and a half away. We weren't that far away. But she didn't know where we were. This is pre-cell phone days. And we're over there. Um, I'm probably 18. Got my, just recently, you know, been driving and, and all that stuff. So I, I'm over at her house. This girl's named Gina. And, and we're playing some kind of cards or something. And I can hear this loud noise crash in back in the, where the uh, laundry room would be. So we go in there, and there was this big thing of liquid detergent that had fallen off of the shelf. Now, keep in mind, the shelf was still up. This thing had fallen off the shelf and landed onto the top of the washer, which you could imagine what kind of racket that would have made. Yeah. And the washer and dryer weren't on, so it wasn't like a vibration thing. But I just had this feeling right then that, hey, Tim, I need to go back to my house because I just felt something was wrong. That was like a sign to me. And I get to my house, and my mom's all frantic. She's like, hey, you're... Uncle Donnie came over and he got into it with this guy named Rusty from work. He sucker punched him. He came here trying to get a gun from your dad. Your dad wouldn't give him one, but him and, and your uncle left to go get this guy to try to fight him or whatever the deal was. And I was trying to get a hold of you and I didn't know how to. Whoa. So could be a coincidence, but I knew something was wrong as soon as that happened. It was just an instinct to hurry up and get home. So there, those little things would happen all the time. Wow. Okay. No, I, I, that makes sense. I, um, you know, when I talked about, uh, back in episode six, when I, um, yeah, had my little kidnapping dealy Hooper. Um, I remember thinking at the time, you know, mom's got arthritis. It's going to take her forever to get downstairs to, uh, answer the phone when I call and say, Hey mom, guess what happened tonight? And, um, but it didn't. She picked up the phone immediately and said, Gina, what's wrong? And I'm like, okay, that's a little creepy. So sometimes <laughs> when you're very tuned in with someone, you know, I, I think it makes sense. You can pick up on that stuff. Well, they say most cases of like intuition like that, that they involve a mother and a child. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Wow. That's cool. Well, you know, not cool that crap happens and you have to deal with it, but, you know, <laughs> I guess I should clarify that a little bit. So let me ask you this. You listen to the show regularly. What kind of stories would you like to see us do more of? Oh, gosh. Um, I think you should do an on-site special in St. Louis sometime. That's my preference, but, you know. <laughs> But that's not at all self-serving or anything. Yeah. No, no, purely altruistic. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we can go to, uh, uh, what's the house, the uh, Lemp Mansion. Lemp Mansion, yeah. You know, I can make some calls, see what I can figure out. So, You know, well, you know I'll tell you a little behind the, behind the scenes on this. Lemp Mansion, in three years, 170 episodes, Lemp Mansion is the only story that I've started, did all the research on, and decided not to do a show on. Really? Yep. 
Oh, what's the uh, what's the block there? What's uh? I just didn't find it interesting. And I, uh-huh. you know, I know this sounds crazy, but sometimes I'll start uh, doing a little bit of an episode. I'll do a little bit of the uh, the research, and then I'll be like, eh, I can't get into it. I'll stop. But I literally did every bit of the research. <clears throat> excuse me. I did every bit of the research. I got to like Thursday, and we record on Sunday, and scrapped it. Oh wow! Which, which left me only two days to find something else research. <laughs> But I mean, I think it's a fascinating story, but I like to, when I do the story, I like to really be able to get into it and I just couldn't. And I, and I've looked at it once or twice since then. I just can't get into it. I don't know why. It's just something about that story. Wow. That, that's kind of wild. So it it is because it's got a heck of a history. It really does. I say all the time, 75% of the story we do is history and 25% is paranormal. So it's, there's no reason why it wouldn't fit in. I mean, with all the suicides and the tragedy in, in the house, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know why I can't get into it. It makes zero sense. That's so weird. Well, maybe like an in-person visit and, you know, go see the caves where they used to store the beer. Maybe that'll uh, <laughs> knock something loose. So, uh, but I think, I think I accidentally cut Jill off a minute ago. Are you going to... I was going to say, you know, there's always the Adolphus Hotel and, and the uh, Goatman Bridge and stuff like that in Dallas. And, uh, of course, if you're ever back in Kansas again, you could do Stull. You could do – there's a lot of things there. We did Stull I think, already. Did you? Yeah, it was, it's been about a year ago. Uh, but, that one. But, yeah, I love, uh, I love Stull. I'm trying to think. We did, a, we did Stull with something else. It was a mixture. Um, but there's a lot here in Dallas. There's a lot of really cool stuff. So you yeah. guys, you guys obviously don't live in the same uh, city right. when you're doing this remotely. You know, mm. well, that's cool. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm located in Dallas, and and she's in St. Louis. Yeah. I really, I really wanted to go to Dallas. Uh, we when we went to Houston, but you know, like I said, it's not that far. We're looking at about what about four hours. About four um, hours. Yep. But. There were so many places I wanted to go, and we just didn't have the time. I mean, when you but when you drive 13, 14 hours to get there, the last thing you want to do is drive another four hours past where it was, oh, and then drive, and it just didn't work for us. But yeah, mm. I would love to go to San Antonio and Dallas. They are two of my uh, places on my on my list. San Antonio has got some really neat things. If you could ever do something with the Hertzberg Circus Museum, my dad used to be in charge of that. And I know it's not still there, but the building that it was in, if the building still exists even, um, was like super haunted. It had a lot of really cool things. And it used to house the Hertzberg Circus Collection, which had a lot of really heavy duty um, circus items from all different circuses that had closed around the country and around the world. It was very, very interesting and had a lot of really neat, um, really spooky stuff. Stuff used to fall off the walls when we'd walk by, just walking by in this heavy stone building that we obviously weren't making any kind of waves in. It would just fall off the walls as you walk past. It was pretty crazy. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Dallas, I mean, this may sound weird, but when I was a little kid, well, not terribly little. I was in high school, but um, they actually offered a co- uh, kind of like a community college course on the Kennedy assassination. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, uh, it was freaking fra- fascinating. Uh, there's so much stuff. I mean, obviously, there's so much stuff, but this particular professor, like, 
dove really deep into it. And it was just weird, all the odd things going on there and the coincidences. I mean, I'm not typically a conspiracy theorist, but that was just a whole weird set of everything. So yeah, we just did on this last episode, we did haunted cars. And one of the ones we talked about was the Kennedy car. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, cause I'm, I remember when I was listening to it, I'm like, Tracy, it's the Kennedy car. Come on. You can guess this. <laughs> Did you ever had, spend time at, like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just, I had faith she was going to get that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever um, spend time up at, like, Greenfield Village in Michigan? We, I have never been to Michigan a day in my life. And I, and I, I kept saying this next year we were going to do a live show up in Michigan somewhere. And the closest I got was to Chicago. So Greenfield Village is cool as hell. And it's got all kinds of things there. All kinds of really amazing um, artifacts that would absolutely still hold residual energy, like without a question. I would love to go to Saginaw, and then um, that that seems like they got a lot of haunted stuff up at Saginaw. Grand Rapids is another place up there that's supposed to be super haunted. Mackinac Island. Mackinac Island. I was talking about. But if you did Mackinac Island, you have to go like this time of year because they close Mackinac Island essentially. And there's just like one ferry in and out, but there's no tourists hardly at all. And it's just the people who live there. So you have to go like after the tourist season when it's kind of all closed down and stay at the Grand Hotel and, you know, do that kind of thing. That's what you would really have to do. And you can't, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can't, there's no cars on Mackinac Island. No cars. Right? Nope. There's no cars on the whole island. That's wild. You can ride a bike around the whole island in about an hour and a half. And that's if you're out of shape. <laughs> it would take us about three hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. So, oh, yay. Did we help? Yay. <laughs> well, there's, there's all kinds of suggestions. There's no shortage of paranormal stories. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. So, Tracy, did you have anything or are you, you just going to? Like, did anything happen to you at the Sally house? Um, the only thing that happened with me was we went down into the basement and Justin Rimmel was down there before me and apparently made the uh, ghost mad, I guess. Oh, no. He pretty much said, get out. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't gone down there yet. And I'm like, no, I want to go. Come with me. And Justin's like, I'm not going to go back down there. I'm like, please come back. So anyway, he did. And so they had that box, whatever that box is called down there. What is yeah, it called? I can't remember what it's called. It had a different name. Yeah. And now I forgot. It was like a spirit box, but it was uh, it was a lot bigger. It was uh, about the size of a, of a little portable stereo or something instead of like a little little bitty one like the, the uh, spirit box. So this was actually a pretty good size, and it had like a, about a 10-inch speaker in it. Mm-hmm. And it had colors and stuff, but apparently it had like 20 words pre-programmed in it. And it would just keep saying these words and a spirit could manipulate it to change one of those words into something it wanted to say. Yeah, it was really creepy. Uh, We were asking like how many people were down there with us and it would tell us the correct number. And Justin asked, well, what if uh, he says, so if you know everything, what is the color of Tracy's hair? And it said pink. Uh Uh-oh. And I was like, I'm out of here. Because my hair was pink. I'm like, yeah, no. uh -uh." So that happened.
happened. And then I was upstairs and they, they were using the dousing rods. And uh, so I just walked over there and uh, somebody said, has anybody had a recent death and in the family or something? And the dousing rods pointed right at me. I mean, like immediately, because my dad had literally just passed away August 6th. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it went right to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. So. Wow. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a little creepy. But, yeah, it's pretty creepy, I think, when you go in that house. So, of course, we spent the night upstairs because Jerry's a fool. But <laughs> that's what we did. That's how we roll. So. There you go. Thank you for taking one for the team. That oh, was yeah. Not a problem. <laughs> very good of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's that's about it. We survived, and I didn't come back possessed or nothing that I know of. But. <laughs> I don't know. I was in a pretty bad mood yesterday, but (laughs) it might have just caught up with me. I don't know. (laughs) Always a good sign when you don't end up possessed. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. or as we like to call it, Zach Bacon's it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going to get banned on Twitter now. You're probably making Zach more famous every time you dog him or something yeah, he's probably I don't getting, think more he needs my help getting more famous <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he definitely doesn't need much help getting possessed either so <laughs> now, I mean he can't pretty soon he'll get a show on the cooking network and it'd be like oh, I went into Phil's donut shop and I felt like I was possessed by a uh, glazed uh, cream field <laughs> there you go <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> you know it would beat Pazuzu, but um, I don't know. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you uh, um, jumping on here with us tonight. And fun. Oh, thank you. And if, like I said, if there's anything we can do, let us know. And um, Nina sends her love. Yeah, it was awesome meeting her and her boyfriend. And we yeah. were so excited that she made the trip over from England uh, back to Kansas. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, she is excited. You made her you made her birthday special, and thank oh, you. Well, good. It was our pleasure. And uh, we will let you get back to your normal lives. Um, thank you again, have, guys. We really we appreciate have no it. Lives. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like to daydream that some people do. <laughs> so I know it's not me. <laughs> so, uh, but thank you so much. You guys have a great night, and we will. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for having us on. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you, Jerry, Tracy. You're brilliant. We love you. Thank you guys so much. That was amazing. Oh, you are so freaking cool. I can't even. (laughs) She can't even. I can't even. Neither of us can even. We can't even. It's, It's a total can't even on the side of the always never right girls. That's right. Yeah. No, the always never right women. Women. Strong ass women. Women. That's right. So, yay. Okay. So, I have my notes for my stories if you are prepared Do for it. this. Okay. Here's this crazy shit. So, since we picked some locational stuff, uh-huh. I wanted to do something very St. Louis focused. And I... Okay. I struggled for a little bit deciding on what. So I did one that I've heard a couple times in a couple different areas, but doesn't get put up a lot, but also melds very, very well with our Hellfire drink theme of the week. 
Indeed. Indeed. This is so, why we picked it, duh. Oh, so you've all heard of the 1971 novel, The Exorcist, by William. And the movie, by the same name. From 1973, that was next to my sentence. So, <laughs> but yes, the novel by William Peter Blatty in the 1973 movie starring the famous Linda Blair. It would be so cool those if we were, could get her to come on, but we didn't. <laughs> Just no. so you guys know, she's not coming on. No, she's not. Sorry. But anyway, you know how the tagline, they were set in D.C., the book and the movie. But you know how the, they had the tagline based on, a true, on true events? Well, the true events, in case you didn't know, most of them happened in da, 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 St. Louis. Did you know that, Jillian? I didn't until you said you were researching it. And then I was like, I should research something. And so I Googled like St. Louis stuff. And then when I did, I was like, oh, hey, the exorcist happened in St. Louis. (laughs) Because I thought, well, then I could one up you. And then I wasn't able to because it was all right there. Because as we have established, I'm a badass. You are a badass, and that's why I'm best friends with you forever. Uh, You're a badass, which is why I'm best friends with you forever. And we're so cute. We are adorable. So first, I love you, man. Phase. I I think we are. I think we've had enough bourbon to be into. I love you, man. That's cool because I'm starting on water because I just finished my like seventh drink. Oh, wow. Go you. It's actually only my third drink because I had two with Rexy and then I had tacos for dinner and now I'm having my third one. The tacos totally mitigate. Don't you know the rules of eating during drinking? Yeah. Tacos. That, that's the hard reset. Oh. Hey, Millie just came in. Millie! Tell your story? Sure. I can. Yay. How you doing, doll? You look Pretty beautiful smart. this evening. So tell your ghost story. Yes. Back at our house in the Midwest. Yes, in the Midwest. I was, I used to pretend that I had superpowers. And one day I was just like, I believe I have superpowers. So I went to the basement in that house and I like forced my hand forward and the door swung open and I forced it back and the door swung shut. And this was in that neighborhood we were talking about earlier. Wow, so you are a Jedi Master. I am. Jedi Master. That's awesome. Oh my gosh, go you. Right? Millie's always been very sensitive and and ghosts have always been very drawn to her. But also in the that house, the same house, um, I was sitting on my bed and uh, like I, I noticed I saw something walk across like like across my bed sort of I didn't really think anything of it I thought it was just my shadow even though I was sitting and after that I felt somebody run their hand from my neck to my spine and then heard it's okay so that when that was right after my grandmother had passed away too yep wow so you're you definitely have someone watching out for you Mm -hmm. that's cool Tell the one um, when we were on the tour. Sure. So we went on a ghost tour and we went to a graveyard and I I was like, okay, I'm going to go off by myself. And this is when I was kind of like learning, okay, I can kind of like, you know, I can 
And we had dowsing rods. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go off by myself and see if I, like, can get more things, like, if I'm alone. So I go, and on there, they're like, watch out for Eddie. And I was like, LOL, like, sure. <laughs> LOL. I know. They can't see my face, so you know I gotta sure. ask. So I go to Eddie's gravestone and I'm trying I'm like, are you here? Cross for yes, if no. It crosses very fast and I felt someone grab my shoulder and like turn me around sorta and there was nobody around me. And I and I came running up to my mom and was like, Eddie <laughs> Yeah, she said, Eddie, Eddie, oh my god, Eddie. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my. Oh wow. <laughs> yep. All right. She's always been able to connect. Yep. We'll sit down and chat sometime again. Next time she's here, you guys can have a convo. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because uh, you, you are not alone. So Gina got me a bracelet. That is made out of silver, right? Or silver. Silver, yep. yes, I thought. Silver. And My great-grandpa a- always said silver protected. Yes. And I'm always wearing it. I don't have it right now because I was out playing. I didn't want it, anything to happen to it. But I wear it pretty much every day. She wears it a lot. Awesome. Good. It. I, I, I really do believe if my great-grandpa thought it helped, it helped. Because he was a very smart man. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he was a protector himself. So thank you, my doll. Thank you, baby. Love you. Love you too. See you soon. See you. They are. All right. So let's talk about your thing. Where were we? Okay. So so we were talking about the exorcist. Oh, the exorcist. Oh my god. So I'm I'm shuffling my notes in front of Jill right now and scaring the shit. So notes. So many notes. So many notes. I've five pages stacks and stacks. Oh my gosh. But seriously, so The Exorcist. If we're going to do St. Louis, you got to do The Exorcist. And again, this plays into the hellfire theme of the drink because demons come from hell, right? Right. Absolutely. Common knowledge. So the real events, they say that, you know, the whole story of Reagan McNeil was based on true events. The true events was actually someone who is termed Roland Doe. For the sake of anonymity. Anonymity. Um, I I thought I was, you were the one that slurred. Anyway. um, So technically this whole story starts in Maryland in January of 1949. But, and and I actually think during my research, I found his real name, but I'm not going to list it because he had a pseudonym for a reason. So. Sure. But any. Yeah. Anyhow, he was the only child. His mom was a Lutheran. His dad was a Catholic and his aunt was a spiritualist with the Ouija board. So we know where the story starts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing she considered herself the fun aunt. Just going out of the limb there. Um, I'm not sure whose sister she was, but I'm guessing she eventually got disinvited to a lot of family dinners. Spoiler, had she lived. Anyway. <laughs> So Roland and Auntie played the Ouija board, and even though they never made a direct correlation between that and the possession, it still aroused some suspicions. Oh, and I remember what I was going to do very quickly. I would do want to cite my sources at the beginning so I don't drag us down at the end. 
We can also publish them on our website. We'll publish them on our website. The sources are St. Louis Public Radio, um, the 13th Floor TV, Denver Post, Serial Killer. I have SerialKillerShop.com. That can't possibly be right. I'll have to double check that. Wikipedia and AllThatIsInteresting.com. So anyway, I digress. So um, anyway, Roland and Auntie were playing the Ouija board and either, um, they had a lot of fun and then Auntie died. So um, apparently he continued to play with the Ouija board after she died uh, because he hoped to connect with her is the impression I got. And um, apparently she was the first one to reach out to him via the Ouija board. Um, but after that, she fell by the wayside and whatever Pazuzu's non-anonymized name is started showing up and said. So shortly after that, the oh shit started to kick in. And by oh shit, I mean um, different things I found from the sources I mentioned. Oh, another source I should mention is um, the author Thomas Allen, who wrote the book Possessed, the True Story of an Exorcism which was based on a 26-page diary kept by the Reverend Raymond J. Bishop, which, you know, Reverend Bishop just cracks me up for, like, internal consistency reasons. Anyway, um, different events that started to happen while they still lived in Maryland were there was a coat on a hanger that flew out of a closet, um, a Bible rose from a bookcase on its own, the kitchen table tipped over, they started hearing angry voices, they were. They always heard the sounds of furniture moving. Scratches started appearing on Roland's body. Scratching on the walls started that sounded like water. Um, noises started that sounded like thumping and footsteps. And a picture of Jesus hanging on the wall began moving and banging against the wall. So, you know, your typical demon shit, right? Sure. Okay. So lot. the first, I, it is a lot. So the first thing they did was mom called a Lutheran minister, um, Luther. Again, so totally appropriate. Luther Miles Schultz, um, who had an interest in parapsychology. Schultz isn't a very Lutheran name, though, just FYI. No, but Luther totally is. Yeah. Just, you know, kind of the whole root of the entire word. Anyway, he collaborated, he corroborated the claims of unusual activity and told the parents, you might want to bring a Catholic priest in. So. Um, apparently, while they were still in Maryland, they did try a few exorcisms, and they eventually took him to Georgetown University Hospital, which, by the way, I want to mention, when I interned in D.C., as we were talking about earlier, I stayed at Georgetown University dorms. So, oh, freaky Twilight Zone music here. Thank you. So one more tie-in to all the events. Anyway, they tried a few exorcisms while they were still living in Maryland and they went to the hospital and a priest named Edward Hughes worked with them. And apparently, I, I don't know why I find this odd, but they strapped him down and commenced prayers of exorcism. But poor little Roland got a hold of a spring from the bed, broke it off and slashed the priest's arm from shoulder to wrist, requiring 100 stitches. Damn. So, ouchie. Why would you do that? Well, he wasn't in control of his body because from what I've read and researched, um, not just for this, just, but just in my daily life because I'm a fucking freak. Um, supposedly a demon can only possess the body, not the soul, unless the demon has explicit consent. 
(laughs) because they're very legalistic, these demons. Sure. Uh, They follow a very strict code of ethics. That's right. You know, they they comply with the GDPR. You have to have express consent. Yep. Anyway. GDPR is really strict. It is. European Union data privacy laws for those down the know. (laughs) So sometimes um, they say the demon can scratch the body, but other times they say that the soul is still in the body. They sometimes use scratches on the body to get messages to the outside world. So I don't know. Um, Anyway. The point is, when they found uh, bloody scratches on Roland's chest, spelling out the word Louis, they were like, oh, we have family in St. Louis, so let's go there. Message received, Roland. We out of here. Good call. (laughs) Right? So, anyway, off to St. Louis they go, but his behavior didn't change. So, initially, they began the exorcism in the private residence of their family that was apparently in the St. Louis Belnor neighborhood. Um, and they got, they got help from, again, this is cracks me up, Father Bishop, um, a Roman Catholic preach who taught at St. Louis University. Ah, and they, I know. And they said that once Father Bishop visited the home, he found Roland lying on the bed, perfectly still while the bed shook underneath him. So explain that. Um, But Father Bishop, whose name continues to crack me the fuck up, uh, sprinkled holy water on Roland and the bed quit shaking. But Roland started experiencing severe stomach pains. So Mama Doe pulled back the covers and there were scratches all over his midsection. Anyway, uh, Father Bishop decided to call for backup and got a fleet of Jesuit priests um, and I'm assuming they're called a fleet. I really don't know. I mean, is it like a murder of crows, a herd of cattle? I don't know, I don't know what a bunch of creep priests is called. Me a neither. Creep. A creep of priests. It might be called a creep of priests. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, Lord. I feel like it should be called a creep. So a creep of Jesuit priests (laughs) affiliated with St. Louis University, led by Father William S. Bodern, the pastor of St. Francis Xavier Church, um, get there. And even though Roland was asleep, a bookshelf shifted across the room. A bottle of holy water seemed to throw itself across the room. And Father Bodern says, uh, Archbishop Richard, um, excuse me. Uh, Archbishop Ritter, can we get an exorcism here? Because <laughs> he's all, you know, hey, dude, uh, <laughs> granted, sup, man. <laughs> I know. Granted, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> okay, so they get official permission to begin the exorcism. And over the next few days, they get hit with violence, profanities, and all kinds of abuse from poor little 14 year old Roland. After a week, they decide. This stress is hard on the poor kid, so they move the exorcism to the, psych- <clears throat> to the psychiatric wing of a hospital, and specifically the way they went to the Alexian Brothers Hospital on the St. Louis University campus. But don't go looking for it because it was demolished in 1978, so you aren't going to find shit. Anyway, different descriptions that came out of the exorcism. One of them... <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the different things that could come out of an exorcism. I know. Well, well I, it was sort of loud. <laughs> 
Well, I have four bullet points, although I usually do bullet points in numbers of three or five. But in this case, I only have four because that's all I could find. So well, that's messed up. So I'm sorry, you can't do them. Go ahead. I, I would never, <laughs> it would never successfully flow in a PowerPoint presentation. No, absolutely not. No. Anyway, a direct quote uh, and shout out to St. Louis Public Radio. The mattress began to shake, arms and legs flailing. For hours, he fluctuated between frenzy and calm. Thank you, St. Louis uh, Radio. I can, even though he's not in St. Louis, I can picture Ira Glass saying that. Anyway, <laughs> so I mentioned the pain he would feel in his abdomen. Um, words like evil and hell and other marks like that would appear on his body spontaneously. The um, mattress apparently started to shake during the litany of the saints portion of the exorcism ritual. And bullet point number four, because I feel like I have to help you track where I am at this complete moment. No problem. I'm very helpful. Um, Roland broke one of the priest's nose during the exorcism. Wow. That's messed up. I know. Now... The author I talked about earlier, Thomas Allen, I believe his name was. I My pages have gotten completely... Anyway, fuck it. Um, he apparently gave a talk at St. Louis University in 2013. And I have this direct quote from him. I feel he was possessed. And I want to say that Thomas Allen was a skeptic and didn't know for sure that it was never would say that he thought it was completely a possession. He was a bit of a skeptic, but this is a direct quote from him from that talk. I feel he was possessed by something that was inside himself. I don't have the faith to say devils and diabolical possession. But when you look at Father Bodern, who day after day for weeks is saying exorcism prayers over this boy, and when Blatty writes to him and says, tell me about it, Father Bodern writes back and says, I can't tell you anything about it. I'm pledged to secrecy, but I'll tell you one thing. This was the real thing. Wow. I know. Kind of a big deal, in my opinion. Uh, Anyway, they kept at it. And after more than three months, on Monday, April 18th, the day after Easter, 1949, they said the evil spirit made one last violent attempt at remaining inside Roland's body before it was finally expelled. And the Jesuit priest declared the exorcism a success. Hooray! Oh, hooray! You know, trying to do a... <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the Monty Python. Yay! Yeah, anyway. Thank you. And as of 2013, apparently Roland, whose identity remains, remains to the extent it can, anonymous through the use of pseudonyms, was in his 70s, was married, had had children, and a successful career, and apparently 50 years later said he couldn't even remember the possession anymore. Although, reportedly, he named his first son Michael after the saint he believed saved his soul. So, yay! Ultimately, normal life winning. You know, I have this kind of... I think I believe in demons... But I see these things like I watch. Do you like Ghost Adventures with like Zach Baggins and that? I think it's it. 
Zach Bagans, because I always hear like Em and Christine on, and that's why we drink, call him Zach Bagel Bites, which just cracks me the fuck up. But yeah, Zach Bagans, I mean, he'd get possessed by the, a dead fly on the windscreen if he could. Yeah. But they always talk about like all these different shows, they talk about demons and all of this stuff. And I just feel like there's a lot of bad actors, you know, just like there's not, I don't mean bad actors, like they're very poor at doing what they do. I mean, <laughs> I mean, bad, just like there's bad people in the world, there's going to be bad spirits. And yeah, there's bad spirits who do stuff. But I feel like there's got to be very few actual demons. I know. I mean, I think there are demons out there, but I think the vast majority are people who are, are just being like they were in life. Sure. Or like hamming it up extra because they can be. <laughs> Like when you're not saddled with the expectations of like, now you have to be accountable. Like, why wouldn't you just fucking go balls to the wall, be all as bad as you can be? (laughs) So, you know, I think there's spirits out there who, I mean, I absolutely believe in ghosts. I absolutely believe in spirits. Why wouldn't you be a spirit that can just do bad shit? Cause you can, you know, that's, that's a good point, especially if you were a bit of a a, um, a shithead in life. Yeah. yeah, dick in real life. Why wouldn't you be like a pseudo, like super extra dick, like mega dick in in the afterlife? Why wouldn't you? Like, especially if you're not having a good time. I be know. Extra dickish. <laughs> exactly. So, like, if you can make scratches on people, fucking make scratches on people. I would if I was that kind of person. I mean, obviously, I'm, I don't, I, I like, hopefully I'm not that kind of person. So when I'm dead, I'm not going to be scratching people, but. You aren't that kind of person. Thank you're you. are going to, you're going to be patting them on the head and maybe being a sarcastic like, bitch from time you. to time. I help you. I might knock shit off the table. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be a cat. You're going to yeah. be like a ghost you're cat. like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck this in particular. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to go and purr on your head right now. Mm-hmm. So. Because you need it. Overall, I just feel like people are like, this is a demon way more than it should be. Yeah, I know. I'm like, you know, I think, I think, th- I think there is shit out there. But like when I, when I saw Jerry and yeah. Tracy at the Sally house, I think it was just filled with a lot of spirits. There's one very obviously shithead entity there. There's but the rest- bad spirits and good spirits. And I don't think every bad spirit has to be a demon. Yeah, I know. Um, which kind of leads me into should I talk about my haunted St. Louis apartment do it that wasn't a bad spirit that was a nice spirit I know that was a spirit that just wanted attention and companionship obviously I'm convinced um so as a lot of people heard about heard about my year on the road and I lived in St. Louis half time uh during that year on the road and I found this cute little apartment in the suburbs. It was built in like the 1960s or something like that. And I fell in love with it the minute I stepped into it. Because it reminded me of the apartment I mentioned earlier um, yep. that I lived in. So um, I, I walked in. I'm like, oh, I love it. It's so cute. No wonder I want it. So I locked that apartment down. And things started almost out the gate. Um but they were funny and kind of endearing. Um, so like I would hear noises at night from next door, even though that apartment was empty the entire time I lived there. And um, I was like, why was it empty so long? 
Um, apparently a guy lived there who went back to another country to take care of his mother and he kept paying rent on that apartment. Um, uh, so it wasn't, it was, it wasn't empty. It just wasn't people living there. Right. It was occupied, but nobody actually stayed there. He worked for, I can't remember if it was St. Louis University Hospital or Washington University, but, or Barnes Jewish you know, one of those, he, um, he worked for one of those and he just didn't want to lose his sure. nice little apartment in the area. So sure. he I continued to pay. Yeah. He just paid the rent while he was gone, taking care of his family. So makes sense. Yeah. But I would hear stuff coming from there all the time, even though there was no one there. And I'd always wake up at 3am when I lived there and which, okay, real quick thing. I know they call 3am the witching hour. How do spirits account for daylight savings time and time zones? Well, time zones aren't a thing because it's not like you're moving. You know, if you wake up at 3 a.m., you wake up at 3 a.m. I know, but everyone talks about 3 a.m. Everyone knows. I know, but if you're in Greenwich, Greenwich Mean Time or like Central Standard Time or like Eastern Standard Time. It's 3 a.m. where they are. I guess. I don't know. That always confounded me. Anyway, um, I digress. I suppose it depends on when they died, huh? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe if they died before daylight savings time or after daylight savings time. Maybe. Oh. oh. But anyway, I, dig- I digress once again because that's what I do. Drink if you have any left. Drink. I've, I sucked all out. <laughs> I just have water left, which is good. I know. I mean, same. Um. Anyway, um, a lot of times the fright, the, the fright, hello, Fright Night, one of my favorite fright night, yay. Movies. Both the uh, original and the remake are awesome. The remake had to do well because David Tennant. Anyway, um, anyway, the front light would start blinking weirdly, and I changed the bulb multiple times, um, so it blinked strangely. But at that point, I'm like, you know, I, I try to be realistic. I'm like... It's probably the wiring or something. I'm like, whatever. But for whatever reason, from time to time when I'd leave the apartment, I felt compelled to talk to it. So I'd say stuff like, okay, I'm off to work now. All right, I'm going home to visit the family. I'll be back in three days and crap like that. Anytime I did that, everything went just fine. But there was one night um, I left really unexpectedly because of a family issue and I didn't do my typical goodbye to the apartment and when I came back all the dry erase markers um, that I had on the magnetic calendar on my fridge were scattered all over the floor and they they didn't it wasn't just like the magnets like got loose like they were ripped off of the glue that was holding them to the magnets and scattered everywhere so like the magnet it was really weird, and I'm sitting here going. They still had the lids on. They still had the lids on. Um, hmm. The magnets were still on the fridge, which you think it would take more force to rip. I mean, you think if you pulled a magnet off the fridge, the magnet would come off the fridge. Not that yeah, that's the, easier. Yeah, not like the magnet would stay on the fridge while the pen came off. So anyway, right. all. All these markers were on the floor, so I was like, eh, whatever. All right, fine. I'll do my best to let you know when I'm gone. You know, just kind of still 
feeling compelled. Have an emergency, motherfucker. <laughs> I know. Don't be a I, dick. And it was so weird because I still like felt I felt compelled to say shit like that, even though it had no real purpose. But whatever. But I think that actually might have backfired and emboldened that because then when I started coming home um, on nights like I worked late or I was coming back from um, home with the family late, the light, the outside light and the very first indoor light would turn on when I'd get home while I was walking up to the apartment. Well, that's nice. I know. It was a very considerate little spirit. That's like emboldened. I think that's like it appreciated you. I, I like to think that, but it, it appreciated me to an extent. It did not appreciate my taste in television. Um, because while I was on this year on the road, I decided to binge watch all the shit I'd missed over all the years, you know, when I'd been too busy. So one of the things I was binge watching was South Park and whatever this thing uh. was. I know. Well, I started watching it like when it first debuted and I like the way they take the mick out of everybody. So, you know. Hey. So um, this thing, though, hated South Park. So if I would sit there and I'd watch South Park um, without my headset in, it would get pissed off and turn on my fire alarm. <laughs> and it would keep the fire alarm on. I was I remember the first time it happened, I'm standing there on a stepladder in my kitchen trying to get the fire alarm to shut off. Cannot do it no matter what button I push. I was very close to finally like taking it out and taking the batteries out when I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to shut off South Park so I don't miss anymore. And I hit pause on my iPad and the fire alarm went off, quit. It finally got, I know. You hit pause and it stopped at the same time. Yeah. So I kind of, so I sat there and said, did you not like this? And I pushed play. And the fire alarm started again. So I hit pause real quick because I didn't want to piss off the neighbors. And it went off again. I'm like, okay, I'll make you deal. I'll only watch South Park with my headset in. And as long as I had my headphones plugged in, it never went off like that again. <laughs> That's so funny. It was weird. So anyway, and occasionally when I'd watch something else it didn't like, it would like ring the doorbell. Stuff like that. I'm like, I don't like, I don't hate this as much as South Park, but really not a fan of those old friends episodes. Ross is such a douchebag. He's a douchebag. I think we already <laughs> talked about that. Yes, we did. Um, anyway, it, the minute I would turn anything off, the buzzer, you know, the the buzzer would Whatever stop. Whatever it was, stop. Yeah, it was so weird. So, um, yeah, that went on a bunch. And then eventually, uh, Nina moved down with me and moved into the apartment right above me. Um, but occasionally she would stay in my apartment with me when she was having a rough night. And, um, she said that she would hear voices talking from time to time, but it was never anything more. It was never to the extent I would experience. So I'm like, it wasn't anything you could understand. Yeah. And I was all thanks for not freaking her out so much because she doesn't need that right now. But the funniest, the funniest part was right toward the end when we finally found the house we live in now. And um, I mean, you know, you know, John the Brit. Sure. Total fucking skeptic. I mean, things can happen right in front of his face. He's like, eh, whatever. Um, so, you know, I mean, stuff that he's, 
known my family has gone through. He's like, oh, that was probably a dream. Oh, that didn't really happen. All that. He just, that that story got exaggerated over time. All that stuff. Right. I, I get it. But we found the house. We put the offer in the house. The offer was accepted. So we're preparing for the move. Um, with... You know, with Nina in the apartment upstairs from us and AJ and John the Brit in the same apartment as me at that time, which we all crammed into a one bedroom with three cats. Oh, it was Lord. it was a lovely time. Um, obviously, I was a little bit distracted, so I did not think to tell whatever it was I was living with, hey, I'm getting ready to move. Be prepared for this. So two nights before the final move. Um, I was really, really, I've, I think I've mentioned before, fibromyalgia, I was really wigged out. My rheumatologist gave me some muscle relaxants to try to, um, deal with the pain I was having at night from all the packing and all this stuff. So I took a couple muscle relaxants, completely wonked out. I was gone. And, um, John the Brett though is a light sleeper. So... And apparently whatever the ghost or the spirit or whatever was really pissed that I was not given a notice that we were about to leave. So we're in bed and John the Brett wakes up to this really loud, obnoxious knocking sound coming from under the bed. And um, he assumed it was water pipes in the basement, which it very well could have been. Um, but it kept getting louder and louder. And he was... He said he was about ready to wake me up to call the landlord to complain and couldn't believe I was sleeping through it when the corner of the bed by his feet lifted a few inches off the ground and dropped. And he's, he's like, what the flying fuck was that? And he said it, he could not believe I slept through that. But I did because, you know, muscle relaxants are a beautiful thing. Hello. <laughs> So the next morning he said, oh, um, he told me all this. I'm like, oh, it must be the ghost. I should have talked to it to prep for our move. And he's like, I know, completely eye rolling. It's like, it was the water pipes. And I'm like, uh-huh, the water pipes picked the corner of the bed up off the floor, which is a queen bed with drawers attached to the bottom. The water pipes just picked that shit up off the floor and dropped it. Sure, baby. I mean, the dude is from England where you can't turn a corner without running into something weird. Right. Um, it's a million years old, too. Yeah. But anyway, I the next time everyone else was out of the apartment, I had a talk with the ghost and said, you know, we're getting ready to move. We're going on to our next part of our life. Thank you so much for turning the lights on for me. That was very nice of you. I hope you have a very nice person who moves in after me. And nothing else happened. Wow. But it was nuts. But I still love that John the Brit's like, the bed lifts inches off the floor and drops. And he's still like, there's water pipes. Of course it was. There's <laughs> water pipes. It's all good. Anyway. That's, that. that's the thing they do. Yeah, totally. Water pipes do that shit all the time. Do your water pipes not like lift you off the ground and drop you? They should. They totally do. Yeah. They totally do water pipes do so those are all my notes and i will now shut up well i pretty much shot mine and then millie did hers so that's kind of all i have and we had jerry and tracy giving us their words of wisdom which are always fun stuff um i guess that's it for tonight 
So yeah. thank you for listening to us every week. Our website's alwaysneverwrite.com. You can see our topics along with the episode and what we're drinking. And there's also links to the Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and all that on the Contact Us page. And if you have not already subscribed, please consider doing so and maybe suggest it to your friends. And if you have time, leave us a nice little review. Not a spooky, scary one that'll make us cry, but a nice, happy one that'll make us smile. Happy, because Halloween doesn't last forever. Uh -uh. Uh, But yeah, but we'd appreciate that so very much. We actually would. And uh, this has been another creeptastic episode of Always. Never. Right. I'm Jill. And I'm Gina. And thank you so much for making us a part of your week. And we'll talk to you again more next week, my dolls.